This is Joshua Bell with the Kilt and the Cloth Tuesday morning Bible study as we continue on the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, verses 33. And then just to kind of remind those of you that are listening online, we are going through the Beatitudes. There's basically five sections of the Beatitudes. Um, the way that Dr. Carter breaks it out, Dr. Warren Carter, whose commentary we are using for this discussion, uh, he talks about the sermon begins with their uh, identity and lifestyle. The sermon begins with blessings and sayings. The middle section comprises of six interpretations of scripture, which is kind of where we are right now. Instructions on three dis distinctive discipleship practices and then teachings on social and economic practices. And then last week we learned a new word, um, the, the end of the Sermon on the Mountain uh, ends with the eschatological discourse. Now eschatolo eschatology is the study of the end of time. Now the problem with it is, as we discussed last week, end of time for them could be tomorrow. It's not the end of the world uh, as we look at it today. Uh, in the 21st century, we are still stuck with what was happening in the 20th century with all of the prophetic people saying uh, the world's going to end tomorrow and here's your signs. That's, that's not the way the Gospel of Matthew was written. And I would argue none of the first uh, New Testament in the idea that this is all prophetic. This is how the world's going to end in the future. For them, it's the end of an age. Uh, this end has happened. The temple of Jerusalem has been destroyed. This age is over. Now we have to do something different. Um, and the interesting thing that we mentioned last week is, is the scriptures that are being quoted are from the Hebrew Bible at just coincidentally other times that the world had ended. So the end of time for them, such as in Isaiah, um, and uh, I think he quoted Jeremiah last week, but it was Isaiah specifically that he quotes um, at, at, the, the, at the end of that time. So with that being said, we're, we're going to have a lot of conversation. Oh, it was Exodus. It was right. It was Exodus um, and Isaiah. So today we're, we're talking about oaths. Um, this, is, this is kind of a, a big deal. Um, oaths are something that the Roman Empire are very familiar with um, when you... <laughs> I say join with quotes, but if, if you join the Roman Empire, you take a vow that says you will do whatever the Roman Empire says, <laughs> whether they like it or not. Um, there's, a, uh, there's another problem with this. We, we don't really exactly know where it came from historically, but basically the idea that oaths um, was practiced uh, to express commitment to a god. Like if I'm worshiping the god Jupiter, there's an oath that I would make. Oh, please, Jupiter, let me do this and I will dot, dot, dot. Does that sound familiar? Please, God, let me pass this paper and I will be a good kid for the rest of the week, right? Um, this was supposed to guarantee uh, Dr. Carter talks about re reliable human communication and trustworthy relationships. <laughs> Although the funny thing is, is Jesus makes it 
ironic here in just a second. So, um, and then and then as we continue on in this, he's going to start talking about okay, we've got oaths. Then he starts talking about retaliation. Um, the hardest passage in the uh, Matthew is about verse forty three till the end of chapter five about loving your enemies. Um, and then again, Jesus starts talking about uh, giving. Uh, the, the, Jesus's favorite topic, he talks about giving uh, a lot and praying. And then he uses a whole lot of time to talk about prayer and then fasting. And then again, treasures, your money, you know, uh, the sound eye, uh, and then the serving two masters. And then his, as uh, Dr. Carter refers to it as at the end of chapter six, the don't worry, be happy passage. Um, and uh, so, so there's a lot. Does anybody see a, a, a correlation to what the things that he's arguing against? Yeah, there's a conversation about the Ten Commandments happening here. And he's, he's challenging um, Leviticus and Deuteronomy. I don't want to look at it as a challenge and saying that they're wrong, but in the way that we're living it is wrong. Um, this has been an argument for the Jewish culture, I think, from the very beginning. Uh, I think if we have these rules, these 613 commandments from Leviticus and Deuteronomy, how are we supposed to live these out uh, and stay in right relationship with God? Uh, it's physically impossible right? Like it's, it's just impossible to do these things. So what does Jesus do? He taught, he hits the top 10. Here's what you should focus in on. These are the things that matter. Now, why would that matter to the first century or second century church? Especially when the temple is gone. They'd be regrounded. Establish the foundation. Yeah, that's right. Be regrounded, establish a new foundation. Their place of worship is gone. So there's this is this is a problem. Everything they work towards can't be well, not everything. <clears throat> a lot that they work towards can't be done. Right. They can't visit the temple. There is no temple to visit. That's exactly right. So so there's a whole bunch of things. That makes sense that he's saying okay here's the things you need to focus in on he doesn't say to neglect the others though i want to make sure this is very clear in our bible study that one of the things the christians do in the 19th and the 20th century is as they say here's your proof that all jews are bad <laughs> and I, I i i i mean it's it's a it's a scary concept but this this is not what jesus is saying he is not getting rid of Torah. Uh, he's saying, here's what you have to focus in on. Here's a new foundation, a new conversation. This is to get us regrounded in how do we walk in this, this weird journey of craziness. So these, these topics are the things that are dealing with their everyday life. Where Leviticus and Deuteronomy, they're also the hypothetical parts of life. Well, if this happens, this is what you're supposed to do. Well, what if that never happens? Well, then you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> exactly. Then you don't have to worry about it. So uh, before we get too far, uh, in 
chapter, verse 33, Sally, I have the word vows, but the word in Greek is different. <laughs> it's too many vowels. I mean, too many syllables. Yeah. Epi orc or cases. And it says you not, shall not break your vows. But then when I looked it in the um, lexicon, it was swear falsely. You shall not swear falsely. That's why I wanted to point Epi that. is on and or cases must have something to do with swearing or, or false. I don't know the roots of any of those words. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Just epi, which means on. on. Yeah, and I, and I think this matters because when we read this here in a second, I don't think vow fully embraces the Greek here. Hmm. Vow is something that we would do uh, to say this is what we mean, but I think this is a really good example where the translation is really hard to come up with a specific answer. So vow is a good translation. What what else do you all have in verse thirty three? Anything different than vow? Oath. 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 Oh, see, and that and to me that has a different connotation, uh, but not too much. And the oh the the Revised Standard Version had swear falsely. Swear falsely. That's what I thought. Yeah. So it says you shall swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. So let's just start right there and let's get going. Yes, sir. Two quick questions. Yeah. Why do they open with quotation marks but never quote or close? Because they're still never, quoting. Yeah, because they're still quoting. Okay. He that's never just, stops. That's just a grammar thing. That's right. not, yeah. and I try that's to not find a Bible where thing. Stop. And even when it does, it, it, it just keeps going. And close. the original text didn't have those quotation marks in there. No, no, no. This well, is I this is an addition. This is a publishing, a publisher's choice. It's like the red letter version of the Bible. Is the king, is that David? Uh, the great I, king. He's um, 35. For the city of the great king. I'm thinking so. Yeah, Jerusalem, because that was David's city. Yes. So. For it is the city of the great king. Yes, that's David. <clears throat> yes, sorry. Nope, no, that's fine. I just, I had, I had to turn my brain on for that. I was like, what? what, <laughs> oh, what oh, yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, uh, anything else? Okay, again, uh, verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times. You shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool. It is, for it is his footstool. Uh, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Uh, anything more than this comes from the evil one. Uh, and, and mine added the word one, but it's really just evil. Um, it's ponyru, isn't that a personal pronoun? Yeah. Which is why so they added one. That's why they added the one. Mm -hmm. All right, let's keep going. Now, this is going to be important. We're going to we're going to break this down a little bit today. Uh, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to use you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. 
And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. Now, this is, this is kind of a big deal. Um, when I was in class with him, he refers to this as the non-violent non -violent resistance to evil. Um, <coughs> the, uh, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on here, but I'm not, I'm not really going to get into it, but there is this, uh, the translation, do not violently resist an evildoer, the verb antistenai, only, a, is that where you got it, right, verse 39? Anastani. And anti is against. Stani is sounds almost like stasis, but it must be opposite. Stani must be opposed. Well, and against, I don't know. And then they pon a row. I'm really glad that you did that because he says this is the only time that we ever see this word in the whole New Testament. Great. And that what they translated it as is the violent struggle. Do not struggle or the. Uh, it shows that there's a verb to it. The verb anastani occurs only here in Matthew. Uh, Walter Wink shows that the term indicates that armed resistance and military encounters are violent struggle uh, to set up against. Uh, hence the tra translation, do not violently resist. The issue is not to whether to resist, or, uh, but how evil is resisted. Jesus' teaching offers a third option, nonviolent resistance. Jesus' teaching does not contradict the scriptures and that it continues the mandate of the law and the prophets to let to not let evil go unchecked. Evil must be countered if justice is to be established. But the, the part that's fascinating here is, is it's the it's the language that he uses. You have heard it said to you, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. This is uh, in some sense older than the Bible. Right, like that. A lot of us came from other places. This came from other places. Some people call it Hammurabi's Code. The, this is this goes. This is older than the Bible. So something they would have heard. It's obviously being repeated still to this day in the, the gospel writers. He says, "If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also." So there was this sociological thing that Roman soldiers uh, could get away with all the time. They could walk down the street and slap you in the face. If you did not do what they told you, they could slap you and you could not resist. Uh, I mean, you, you, yeah, you could not step up to them. Hit him back you could not hit him back. So if they punch you in the face, you're supposed to take it. What, well, Jesus tells him, tells them, is this, if he punches you on the right face, turn to the other side. Do you see how much? lack of power now that soldier has this is this is a, a different sociological concept if you punch me on this face that's fine i've got another side go ahead and hit that one too that's this is a big big deal this this moves uh historically in a lot of ways matthew is one of those other weird moments this like i was just saying this is and that's in verse 39 this is that weird word that Sally and I were talking about. And to stay night. That's not anywhere else in the New Testament. Um, and then he says, if anyone wants to use you, uh, wants to use your, uh, if wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. So this is another thing that says, 
who sues people? Romans. In the Jewish culture, you could take people <laughs> to court for wrong things, but you didn't sue them, right? You didn't, it's not, you couldn't win anything. You're broke. Who, who has the money to sue anyone? <laughs> people have the money. That's right, the Romans. So if they want to sue you and take your, clo- your coat, well, give them your shirt too. There's only a certain amount of people that have anything that's taking. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So there's there's a huge problem going on here that Matthew is pointing out. Yeah. I was going to say this is before the uh, temple's been destroyed, right? No, this is definitely after. After. Okay. Matthew is definitely written after the temple is destroyed. And the only reason I'm asking is because a lot of the Jews would have not done this. Right. They, they, I mean, you know, whichever one it is, number 13, mm-hmm. that says defend your country. I mean, right. And that's part of the reason that the temple gets destroyed is bored Romans, but also because they've had several reactions there. Right. I mean, they have definitely had that. So I'm just saying that it's it's if it's after the temple, then they're quote whipped and better exactly. If it's before, then he's back preaching against the establishment a little bit, mm-hmm. which is probably true both ways. I mean, and, and that's why it, and that's why it preaches both ways, because you could use it both ways in this passage. Because in the in the 20th century, in the 21st century, you hear this. Well, I shouldn't sue anybody. Like that's that's you hear this. And if they do sue me and I didn't do anything wrong, I should just give them whatever it is to make them happy. Now, I'm not saying that that's what's being said here, but I've heard it preached that way. Uh, My dad says it that way. Um, The other part that's fascinating here is is the conscription thing. If they, if they, if they, whoever forces you, notice it says, if if anyone forces you to go to a mile, you you go also the second. Now, I'm, I'm sure you all have heard about this in Sunday school that it was not uncommon for a Roman soldier to be carrying all this armor to find somebody on the street and say, here, I need you to carry this for a mile. And you didn't have a choice. You had to do it. Um, in this story, Jesus is saying, go even further than they ask. Because again, you don't have any power over me. Yeah, I, I'll walk this mile for you, but this next mile I'm walking for myself. I don't, I don't need you to tell me what to do. Um, and then, interestingly enough, right there at the end, remember, all of these people that are hearing this are at poverty level. Give to everyone who begs from you. And do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. Now, to me, this is the, the most powerful, nonviolent sociological construct in the whole passage. Because they're struggling to survive. And people come and asking them for food when they don't really have food as it is. But think of what that entails. If everyone in the poverty level took care of one another, would anybody ever actually go hungry? It's that stone soup story all over again. This is this is super awesome. In each one of these sections in my translation, it starts with you have heard, mm-hmm. but just the discussion, you can clearly see the shift 
the slight shift in thinking mm -hmm. after he states what they are doing and how it should be. Yes. Yeah, and it's and it's and it's cool, right? Because he's doing it in such a way the the culture has said this, but what I'm telling you is this. So he's not challenging. Mm -hmm. He's not challenging the Jewish church establishment. Nope. Whatever the the teachers were saying. I mean, Some of these were sayings that obviously came from priests or Pharisees, but. It's not, it's not against Torah, right? And it's, and it's definitely brilliant enough to say, if anyone, not when Rome does, <laughs> right? So any, this, this message is going to be able to be passed around. Well, yeah, that's right. You should do what we tell you when we tell you. That's, that's nice. You could go one mile and <clears throat> even your prophet tells you to uh, <clears throat> go an extra, well, the Romans take advantage of this a lot, but um, but who's really taking advantage? Who's really exhibiting power in this passage? We have I've several times with kids we've I've used this and it's from this, and I in fact used it this last Wednesday with a little girl that was upset. Yeah, 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 between girls. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, when that person talks about you and makes you cry. That person wins, and you've given them all the power over your happiness. And do you want to give them the power of your happiness, or do you want to keep that yourself? And so, you know, that that's we did the seven seven habits of highly effective teens at that frontier as a program with the kids. And, yes, and that was part of the teaching there was you know you you keep the power for your happiness to yourself. You don't give that power to someone else. And uh, uh, I kind of think that kind of goes back to the scripture. Oh, I totally 100% agree with you on this. Now, Mark, now Mark the, the, the problem with this is Matthew specifically is this way. Luke does bits and pieces of this. Mark does not. Mark has this conversation, but remember, his sermon is a lot differently than this. Matthew and Luke have the Sermon on the Mount. This passage of scripture works really well in a lot of the stuff that we do today, specifically uh, with how we do, uh, well, it's funny she mentions the seven <coughs> highly effective teens um, book and series. It's phenomenal. Another thing that I think gets inspired by this is uh, a book called Nonviolent Communication by Dr. Marshall Rosenberg. Um, and in it, he does kind of the same. He doesn't talk about the not giving away one's happiness, but to observe the situation, to not make judgment statements, uh, to... And, and everything that we're hearing here is about nonviolent communication. So I think it's it's really fascinating how much this passage of scripture has inspired so much of the ways of problem solving in the 20th and 21st century. I'm reminded of uh, Les Miserables, uh -huh, where yeah. Jean Valjean steals from the priest. Uh -huh. And uh, when he's brought back by the police, the priest says, oh, I, I was giving you that one that you have, and here's the other one that I meant to give to you as well. Right. He turns the whole thing around. Yeah. From it being a yeah, from being a theft to a gift. That's right. You know, and I wonder if it's it, maybe there's some if it's based on that passage there a little bit. Where I don't know. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Where, uh, where he could have administered justice and said, "I'm going to uh, 
punish this guy for what he's done, but he turned it into a to a opportunity to to give to somebody. I would say any parent that's had more than one child when they start teasing each other, mm-hmm. if you at some point in time you've drugged one of the kids over and said, if you don't respond, then they'll stop. Right. Which is is very true. But I mean, this is exactly yeah what what we're saying here. So you said, yeah, we're using it today. We Absolutely. Recognize it, but- Absolutely. So that's why I'm saying this is one of the most powerful passages of scripture that's really affected sociological change that we just don't ever call it out. It's found here in Matthew. This next part, however, is not very comfortable. And it's uh, uh, one of the most hard. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? The, the passage that we struggle with the most. Um, you have heard that it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So simple. Just be perfect. Just simple. Be yeah. perfect. Yeah, that's, that's all you have to do. Paul doesn't have anything to write about if we do that. That's right. Well, what's the purpose at that point? Paul you know? <laughs> in the Bible. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Carter says, uh, in this particular passage, he says, um, you know, it's, just, it's the same conversations that we normally have, uh, but enemy is not limited to national opponents or foreigners, but includes personal foes. The psalmist lives among the godless and the compassionless and verbally and physically violent who threaten life. Uh, and then he goes into talk about Sirach. But my favorite part here, it says, love does not though mean accommodated niceness without conflict uh it involves challenge with no guarantee that it will be returned uh the other changed or that the action will be understood as love to challenge injustices and impression and to manifest manifest god's empire may incite conflict and suffering and then he goes on to it further but uh I mean, he's right there, though. This, the part that's hard, and I and I feel like we talk about this passage so much that I may just kind of stop it here in just a second, and move on. But <clears throat> notice the dynamics of the people that are in the audience. Do not the tax collectors still have people that love them, right? Do not the Gentiles. The pagans in mind. Yeah, pagans. Should have, he should have brought that in there. I think I think that would have worked perfectly. Uh, these these people are are uh, children of God, just like you. This is this is a beautiful um, example of that Isaiah passage. Um, Sometimes I think the statement of accents makes the heart grow fonder. Works a lot with your enemies. Oh yeah. <laughs> just. Stay away a little while and pray for him, pray for yourself, and you seem to come around. 
God works in mysterious ways. And <laughs> you come around and, you know, you don't have to take them all at once. That's right. A little bit at a time and hmm. still struggle through it. But. Yeah. Told you guys what my minister mentor in Virginia would say. He's He was in ministry for like <clears throat> 54 years. And he he would say all the time, he says, you know, the Bible says that I'm supposed to love them. I just don't have to like them very much today. Yeah. <laughs> like that's part of this. Um, well, let's go into uh, chapter six. So just to give you an idea, verses one through 18 uh, are, these are the greatest righteousness, justice, this is the interpretations of scripture that we've just got through 17 through verse 48 and uh, chapter five. <clears throat> this is the righteousness stuff. Now, the fascinating thing is, is that the three common practices that we're going to read about here in a second are found in the book Tobit, T-O-B-I-T, chapter 12, verses, uh, oh, my brain just froze, eight. Chapter 12, verse 8. Now, uh, this, this Tobit is a, an apocryphal book, but it was, it, it was a part of the early church tradition. Um, and therefore, it should be used because here he's quoting it verbatim. For example, uh, in Tobit, uh, giving to others in need is uh, totally a part of that, which we're going to read from 6, verses 2 through 4. The next part is praying and fasting. All three of those are found in the book of Tobit that everybody continued to follow, um, which we're fully going to be talking about. So here we go. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your father in heaven. Uh, that that reward there. What's the word that you have uh, in Greek? There, right there towards the end of verse one. Is there a stone? This stone. This stone. That's the same one we had back here. But isn't that um, the word for righteousness? No, righteousness is. Dika lo suna. Dika dikai o sunane. Okay. So Dick Dick L O is it has to do with righteousness. Okay. So we have the reward is not works righteousness or earning God's favor. It's uh doing the right thing. This is this is different. The word for God's uh works righteousness is a different meaning, is I think. I think that's what my brain's trying to tell me. 546, um, if you love people that love you, what is your, re you have your reward, that's Miss Stone. Okay, okay, then I'm, it's yeah. it's the righteousness that I'm messing up because okay. the, the righteousness there in this word in Greek <clears throat> is not, uh, you, you, you get to be righteous before God, right? This is not that, this is, uh, you do the right thing because you're right supposed thing. to do the right thing. Uh, this is the problem because then it says if you don't do these things well then you you don't get your reward from your father in heaven he's saying if you don't do the right thing not to get god's favor 
right? It, that has nothing to do with this. You just do the right thing because you're supposed to do the right thing. And then you get rewarded. If you're doing it to please God, that's a different Greek word. That, that does not work here, right? Do, do you know what I mean? It's like the Lord's Prayer on Sunday mornings. We say the Lord's Prayer on Sunday morning every Sunday. Why? Because we're supposed to. <laughs> We've always done it. We've that always way. done it this way. Everybody says it. So if we say the Lord's Prayer on Sunday morning, that's a works righteous, a righteous work in the name of God. We do that in the name of God. Uh, but if I see someone hungry on the side of the street and I give them food uh, and get them someplace to sleep, I'm doing it, and, and I don't say, oh, because God gave this to me, right? That, that's different. Do, do, you see, do you see the difference? Uh, this matters because then he goes directly into when you give alms. <clears throat> so whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites. Uh, the, the Romans, right? They have these huge parades, and in the parade is this big float full of gold. And all of this stuff, and as they're walking in the parades, trumpets are blaring. So he says, don't, don't do that. Do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they have been praised uh, by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your alms may be done in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Um, uh, he says, Dr. Carr says, there is no evidence for literal trumpet blowing in this manner. <laughs> he says, however, the exaggerated caricature is part of the gospel's unfortunate attack on synagogues. Um, polemic is interested in ridicule, not fair, accurate information. However, the hypocrites refers to actors who play a part. Hypocrisy involves a public role of compassion, but not genuine concern. Uh, this does not describe all Jews for all time, however, as some hateful interpretations have claimed. Um, and, I've, and I've actually seen that. Yes. I just, I read something the other day that uh, basically stated that um, all of the sacrifices and things like that that the Jews did was not to gain favor from God, but was in response because they already had God's favor. Oh, well, I mean, well, they would, they would be, uh, and that's even more powerful, right? Because then you're saying, oh, since God, you didn't remember us. <laughs> that implies that God didn't, that God broke promises there. Well, no, no, no. It's, you know, and I'm going to turn it around for us because we've already been saved. We're not doing these things to be saved. Oh, okay. Because we already are saved. Mm -hmm. And that was what they were saying. With, with what the Jews were doing. I mean, the, the quote was referencing that direction. So it's more like a, we're doing it out of a, out of the wrong sense. We're putting the... Be, be careful not to. Yeah. I mean, and to me, that's what they're saying here. Yes. Don't, don't do it to gain God's favor. Do it because you've already got God's favor. There you go. I like that language. Yeah. When I read the passage in my head, I, I see like... Uh, Oh, I'd like to give to the church pastor, but I want us to have a giant check, you know, made out of cardboard. Uh -huh. And uh, and, and on the Sunday morning the service, paper. both services, I want 
you to present me to be able to present you with a giant cardboard check. And we need to make sure that a newspaper is there. <laughs> and if I can get some TV stations there too. Uh, <laughs> you know, Ted, you make a joke, but I've been in congregations that that's happened. That? Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And, and it was, uh, it was um, icky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was least, super yeah. icky. And, and, in, and, you know, when you're in congregations that are not uh, as, as stable as ours, in a lot of ways uh sometimes churches will allow themselves to let that happen mm -hmm. and they'll move past the ickiness so that they can receive the funds right you know it's i uh yeah so i i mean i see it and and i totally understand what you're saying but it it happens it happens a lot um and it's super icky that's funny. I was doing it kind of as a joke in my head. I didn't yeah, know I know. Things I really know. People like really did. Well, yeah. it's it's a, uh, and I don't want to offend anybody in the room here, but you know, it's when you put those uh, when, when we used to put plaques on the pews. Oh yeah. Right. Like, like, we still have plaques on our big ch our the chairs the elders sit in. Right. I haven't right. gone up there to read it, but I know it's a plaque up there. Yeah, and and, the and that's that's the way we used to do things, but mm -hmm. it, it was it's not. Like under the windows in front. Yeah, and these were not. They were not designed in such a way to lift them up. It was to say thank you, right, right, and and to honor them. Yes, uh, for, <clears throat> for who they are, what sure. they've done for the church and stuff. But in some sense, it turns into that big cardboard check. Sometimes I think it all depends what's what's on the inside. Pam wants a statue, so we all got that on record. It's on the <laughs> recording now. We will build a statue in in Pam's honor. Generations. After us to know that that particular, you know, whatever dad, it was, my yeah. dad and two others were elders at the Zionism Church for 40 plus years, and they made a bench <laughs> in their honor with their names on it. And I felt on, he didn't do it, but the <laughs> congregation did it for. And there's a difference yeah. there. Yes. My best friend's mother was, she taught kindergarten Sunday school for 45 years. And um, her big thing was a push for playground. Uh, well, we've heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> at their church. And when they built the playground at their church, it was after she died that they put a park bench in her name in the in there with, with memory of her because that was her goal for 42 years of teaching kindergarten to have that. <laughs> But and see, and I think those are, and that's, and I think that's what Jesus is talking about here, right? I'm not doing that to get the honor. I'm not doing it to have the cardboard check. If somebody wants to do that on behalf of me, that's different, yeah. right? Like that, that, that's a beautiful statement. These are legacies that we leave behind. It's when someone does this, and I, I mean, and I don't mean to, I, I don't think I'm, I'm thinking about the audience. None of you on the recording have ever done this to me, so I don't have to worry about it. But it's I've been in situations where uh, we would love to give you this money if you if you put this plaque on. And the plaque costs as much money as they That's gave us. Gift. And you're like, uh, Wait, I'm sorry, I can't take work. the money. Yeah. And they're like, doesn't but I'm going to give you this money. No, you're giving me money to buy the plaque. Like, I mean, I don't mean to be rude here, but uh that you you were supposed to give with your left hand so that your right hand doesn't know what you're giving to me i see, <clears throat> I see the motive if it comes from the heart if it comes from the head <laughs> and the head being it's 
gratification for some reason in the heart. It's because you love. felt the need to do it and you loved him. So. No, and I think that's exactly what he's saying here. I um, I think I think the beautiful part about this passage is is that we could we could literally talk about it for days, right? The goal here is is that you're supposed to be cheerful while you're doing this. I I've been so blessed, or I have such an abundance, even if I'm broke and poor as these people are, I give so that others can benefit from God's grace. I, I always get worried, and it's because I'm a semantic guy, right? Like all my words have to have meaning. When I say things like, well, God has blessed me so much so that I was able to buy this. <clears throat> I always get nervous when I say things like that. Because <clears throat> God, didn't, God didn't give me the money for me to tell other people that I've been blessed enough to do this, right? Or did God give me the money? Does God actually care about <laughs> currency? right like this is this is a hard topic it's the same problem that they're having here notice that it's about the financial contribution however not the burnt offering mm -hmm. this is uh this is a little bit more ammunition to knowing that this is after the temple has been destroyed right this is financial gifts um let's keep going because I, I i had a plan I'm going to stick to it as much as we can, but uh, let's go to concerning prayer. And now he's changed it since you have heard that it said to, and whenever, he does this every single time now. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, which we know sociologically, by the way, this actually happened. They had town criers at every street corner that spoke on behalf of the different temples of God literally telling people to come into the building, come into our temple. <clears throat> now and now we just have signs. Uh, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, this is a fascinating passage. Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will, will reward you. Now, here you go, folks. And when you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Um, I want to pause just right there. Uh, Gentile praying is in, in view. Again, the reference to the heaping up of empty phrases or babbling is, uh, is probably referring to the practice of naming numerous gods as the audiences of one's prayers. I pray to the God of Jupiter. I pray to the God of this. I pray to the God of that. Um, this, this is different than what they're talking about. He's, he's trying to tell them the disciples do not use wordy prayers. I mean, I think those are directly Dr. Carter's statements because God already knows. Yeah, that's what he says. They do not use wordy prayer because God already knows what they need. So he says, do not be like them for your father already knows what you need before him. And then, here we go. Pray then in this way. Our father, is it father? Is it patros? Pater. Pater. Our pater in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Is that what you're saying? Um, 
the bread of us daily and daily in the lexicon was the bread necessary for us give us what we need this day today that would yeah 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 same room yeah and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and do not bring us to the time of trial and we have added or into temptation but rescue us from the evil or evil one um because it should be from evil really for if you forgive others their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others neither will your father forgive your trespasses there ends the lord's prayer does that sound just like what we read on some sunday morning it sounds different here a little different <laughs> it sounds way different if i put it in the oh yeah in the greek order the word trespasses in 14 is not the same word as debts in 12 nope different hmm. words ophelamata is debts and paraptomata is trespasses which they translate i mean the lexicon says are sins or misdeeds mm -hmm. and the others were sins or offenses or that which is owed is the debts the way that i've always been told is is that the, the best biblical version of the Lord's prayer is the sins and sins against us because okay. it's the closest to the Greek. I still think people can't sin against me because I don't have any. <laughs> that's right. Well, they will find a way. <laughs> they will find a way. They will I, find I just a way. don't think that's, I don't think that's legit. Uh, and that's, and that's <laughs> part of the problem. So the biblical part of this is this, in this part here, you've had debts and debtors and you've had trespass and trespass against us basically. Uh, but there's no trespass against us in this passage. Trespass is not necessarily, that is a fully American decision-making process for the Lord's Prayer. Uh, historically, it would have been debts and debtors. Later on in the uh, 19th century, we, we started really using sins and sins against us. Because, But again, uh, did you notice that there's, there's a lot missing here? There's an ending missing. Yes. Uh, the whole ending. ending. What's, what's missing from the ending? The, the best part of the song the lord's prayer <laughs> for thine <laughs> is the kingdom, the glory kingdom and the power, and power. The power and the glory forever for thine is the kingdom right so there's this empirical language that we've added to the lord's prayer i'm not i'm not uh berating it i'm just pointing this out so if you look at our lord's prayer uh the order's different than it is in greek uh well it has to be because their greek is so awkward the greek is definitely for us. Awkward. yeah the uh no i was gonna except say except it was probably they who put it in there to begin with uh -huh. back in the whatever century yeah it might not have been it might have been later than than when it was all catholic kind of but. interesting in the bible Starting, starting with the Lord's Prayer, you've got you've got it written kind of like a poem or an ode, and then when you get to the part for if you forgive men who have sinned against you, then it's written out like a sentence. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and then then uh, if you do that, then God will forgive you. Yeah. If you forgive them, then God will forgive you. It, it just kind of seems like. Or no, God won't forgive you if you really don't do that. The Lord's prayer is kind of what it looks like. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I don't think it is. It's an editorial comment. We don't. Yeah. What are they discussing, or what are you 
discussing. What are they talking about when they say pets? That's a big conversation. Okay. Um, we don't have to get into it. No, I'm just we we don't really know. We we know that there's a sociological thing that people owe other people stuff. Like there's an actual physical debt. Let's let's see what he says. Well, would Romans feel like if the people owe them something? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You you're allowed to breathe because we gave you that ability. Uh, yeah. Is drawn from law and commerce. He says both forgiven debts appear in the sabbatical year regulations in Deuteronomy 15. Uh, which require the cancellation of debt every seven years, which they have never done. <laughs> it recognizes that humans are deeply in, uh, meshed in sinful acts. The, the, the language of debts, he says, depicts sin, however, um, as an injustice, not meeting one's obligations, as in, oh, ooh, ooh, this is cool, as in chata, the Hebrew understanding of missing the mark, the exceeding righteousness required of disciples, in context, these debts or unmet obligations constitute not living in relationship with God or people in a faithful or righteous way. That's cool. I was just, my brain goes too quickly that I owe the bank this money because I took out a loan, you know, and I keep waiting for them. It's been seven years. Are they going to forgive no. my debt? Yeah. I mean, but, but I do go back to, you know, who, you know, given to Caesar what is Caesar's mm -hmm. I mean you know so there's a separation is all I'm saying Jesus acknowledges that you know there's a life here and a life later don't poke the bear if you wish here that's right anyway I just I, I just don't know what debts mean I mean since you tell me it's since I can go there, but I already said since, so I'm not sure why. Well, remember this 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 part of the prayer <clears throat> was it. So uh the debt here could be very easily translated into sin. But notice that notice that both of these forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. That's where we change the language from sin to sin against us. That's that's why my my Greek or New Testament professor said that's the better version. So debts versus debtors would be sins or sins against us. I'm the same way with uh, Sally in this, and that I, I, I think that it, it's too generic. It's too broad, right? But I have a massive theological problem with this idea of trespass and trespass against us because the vernacular has been lost. It's the same thing. It's the same thing as sin and sins against us. But what we hear is somebody stepping into our land or we step into theirs. I mean, we're in Oklahoma. That's just, it's, it's impossible to not have that conversation. Get out of my yard. Yeah, get out of my yard. <laughs> you know, we're still one of the only states in the country that allows you to, if somebody comes into your home, you can shoot them on the property and, it's, and claim it's a self-defense. You know, it's, it's one of those, it's a dangerous place. So for me, every time we say it on Sunday, I, I just kind of, since we're in Bible study, and, and this is kind of not really Vegas since it goes out onto, into the internet, but it, it just, it, it, there's a piece of me that goes, yeah, I wish we'd said this in a different way. Because the Lord's prayer to me is, is, uh, yeah, and, and it's, and it's one of those. Yeah, we've done it three just in my lifetime. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm going to guess, this is, this is the part where we'll end of the Bible study. I'm going to guess that any time that you have changed it, there was, uh, much screaming, gnashing of teeth, and weeping and wailing. 
if we changed it from debts to debtors or to sins and sins against us or to trespass and trespass, was there anger involved with that? Mostly just messing up. I don't, I was going to say, I don't think I'm, the no. congregation was I'm, really. I'm going to send it a different direction. Okay. In most instances, I think it's been because of we have a new preacher yeah. that simply dislikes it a different way, feels it, you know, is better saying it this way than the other way. I don't know. There, I don't remember any other than people saying the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, which way do we say it? Because I, 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 I yeah. said it all three yes. ways in different churches. Yeah. 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 Well, I, and yeah. I think we kind of at one time changed it back because it was more of standard to say trespasses in this area. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is this way. I was, I mean, I was thinking when I, I think. I was trying to remember this because that was one thing. I said, the only difference, you know, one of the differences I see they see, you know, from when I grew up in the Methodist and then I think I started out with trespasses. And when I, at the time I started going, it was debts. Mm -hmm. And then Lynn Scott went mm -hmm. to sins. Yeah. Yep. And now we had the same New Testament professors. That's why <laughs> <laughs> he went to some. You little know. Bible church, one some seminary out in Well, when he got his deep end. Well, no, this was before that. Yeah. And we went along. Yeah, and we just went along. But it would be Just really like, radical if you took out the ending. <laughs> well, I mean, that's <laughs> deliver us from evil. All right, let's move on to the let's next thing. On. Wait, yeah. wait a second. Yeah, I'd like to keep my job. That'd be a good, yeah. be a good thing. Because I kind of like being here. Um, yeah, so I, I think this is this is the, I, I, have, I have seen churches split over the conversation of the Lord's Prayer. Um, wow. And, 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 and yell, scream, and holler. And that's, so it's fascinating to me as we have this conversation. Again, perfect example, Ted, from the very beginning of this discussion with the cardboard but check, this church is a little different Catholics in that way. Don't end it with, uh, delivers from evil. Delivers from, from evil. Amen. Amen. Because yeah. I can remember going into telling this, well, I knew my, my uh, Protestant friends were at my mother's funeral. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's right. At Marcia, at Marcia's uh, wedding, they, they, the Catholics all stopped and the Protestants are still going, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like said, you can tell who was who. Oh, I knew my Protestant friends were at my mother's funeral. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if there are churches out there that do not say the Lord's Prayer. Yes. Sunday. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I I've attended several in my lifetime. I I came to Disciples of Christ for the first time with you guys. So I. But here's what I I have going in my heart is I love this church. You know I love this congregation. And this congregation is comfortable praying a certain way at a certain time. I love it. You know, <laughs> Whatever. So, yeah. Well, I think it's, I think the part that's beautiful about this discussion for us is, is that it is a huge part of our heritage that we, we really design our denomination on first century practices as best they could, right? Like we're guessing on most of this stuff. But when Jesus says, <laughs> this is how you should pray, uh, th that's a pretty good indication. And so when, when, what's happened over time is, is that we've added things or we've moved things around, but the, the essence of it is still there. Do not throw a lot of words into the prayer. It's why I struggle with the pastoral prayer. You know, it's, it's one of those, um, it, 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 when I was growing up, 
the way we used to call it the pastor's seven minute prayer you know if it, if it was less than seven minutes then it was uh then he didn't get everything he needed or she didn't get anything they, she needed you know and so uh it was it was a it was a problem and so i think this passage for me has been a has been a guiding light and sometimes somewhat of a hindrance for me because i uh, again i think probably more than i emote um and so I go to this and I say, God already knows what's on our hearts. So, yes. I've always felt like the pastoral prayer, when you tell us what we're going to pray about, is actually part of the prayer. Sure. And it could be, it could be, it could be doubled up there. You could, you could say, um, here's this morning we're going to pray. And then as you're praying, say, well, we pray for these people and, and list individual things as, as part of the prayer because we're doing it twice. You tell us what you can. It's, it's like it's like Shakespearean uh, work. I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna say. Then I'm gonna say it. And then when I finish, I'm gonna tell you what I said. And, yeah. And so we're doing that. We're really doubling up on it. And I always feel like you're really in prayer the whole time you're sharing those things. Which is why I don't usually repeat them right. during my pastoral yeah, prayer. Not, not completely, because you do. Yeah. Some, some, some. Yeah. Depending on depending on the circumstances <laughs> and 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 it's and it's a, it's a hard it's a hard road. You know, everybody's like, well, you should just pray. Yeah, okay. <laughs> It'd be really great if that's the way it worked. But on the Lord's Prayer, saying it every week, um, I kind of think the, the scripture was says, write these scriptures upon your heart and on your forehead. Mm -hmm. that, that praying the Lord's Prayer every week um, is it's like when, when you teach a kid when they're little to get in the car and, and buckle their seatbelt, and they automatically get in and buckle their seatbelt. They don't have to think about it. And, and I think that knowing the lord's prayer to the point where it is automatic and when you need it it's there without having to think about it i think that's the reason you do it every week sure well i think some people are don't know they, they don't feel like that their prayers are correct so to speak and they can always say the lord's prayer so or don't know how to pray it's a simple enough prayer that it's it, it could be just your skeleton for what your whole prayer would be like you start with praising god who's in heaven and then on to the next thing and the next thing and you individualize yeah if, if someone has sinned against you you individualize that when you're talking to god about it and so on so we used it as a model for uh, after school program one year and prayer was our model and i, I mean took it broke the, the lord's prayer down into when you pray pray like this and and you start off with praises and da 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 in, in those different categories. And then when you say your own prayers, you don't start off with, dear Lord, they, uh, get, I need this, this, or please help me with this. You start off with the praises first mm -hmm. and, then the, and then the supplications and all, and all those things in, in, in a certain order. And I think we forget that it's a model. Yeah. Right. It's a model. That's the whole point of this part of that. Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and close that part out. We're going to start next week on chapter 6, verse uh, 16. We're going to stop the recording.